You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1991 Wes Craven classic, The People Under the Stairs. I'd have to say it's a classic. It's classic Wes Craven, that's for sure. Written and directed, so you're getting all the Wes you can handle. And it's Wes Dead Air Nipe here, too. So that's like double the Wes. It's Wes Squared. West squared. <laughs> okay, I can I can handle that. I can handle that. It's kind of futuristic, right? Yeah. This uh, this film is a classic to me, especially because it was it, on in my most formative horror years when I was young, and they played it on TV during the month of October constantly. When I mean, you didn't know what a gimp was. Well, yeah. I didn't. No, I didn't know what a gimp was. It was years before Pulp Fiction. That's what I was like. What is the gimp? Right, but you would just see him in this weird leather daddy outfit, and you just think to yourself, well, that looks fucking cool. It's dark and deranged, and I don't know what the collar's for, but something. It's not unattractive. It's not unattractive, no. There was a lot of things about watching that film at such a young age where I wasn't entirely aware of. One, two, especially the opening scene that I remember, I didn't watch the film for the first time right at the beginning. I watched it right at the electrocuting door scene. Ah. And so you don't know what kind of movie you're actually watching. It's Goonies slash Home Alone by that point. (laughs) Exactly. And by the time there's a little girl getting put into boiling water, you're almost having a hard time reconciling what you're looking at because you know what should happen to somebody that's getting dunked in boiling water. How hot is that water? Well, there's steam uh, bellowing. She's screaming. She's screaming, and so you're watching that, and then you get the sense, "Oh, this is a, this is a dark, this is a dark movie. This isn't a, a comedy, but there are a lot of comedic elements in it." And I remember how freaky Roach was to me. So this movie really stuck with me, and I put it on a, a top ten list or a top five list for movies for Halloween that make me. I, I said it was like top five or top ten movies that makes me get into the Halloween spirit. I got fucking crucified on a cross for, for not just this movie, but a lot of movies that I added because I didn't just put Halloween on there. I should have put that in the title. I was like, movies that aren't fucking Halloween because obviously Halloween. You're not allowed to watch anything but Halloween on Halloween. <laughs> just on and a you loop. can watch Trick or Treat now. Now, yeah. yeah. Now, it's like, yeah, this is my number one Halloween movie. It's just all the throbbing oranges just really put me in the spirit. No, I, 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 I fucking, that was probably the most hate mail, whatever you want to call it. And this is why I fucking hated doing these fucking top 10 lists because they're fast and easily consumable and people can just, they don't even read uh, the context because you give your ex- your, exa- your your movie and then you give a little paragraph that's like this is the context about why this movie makes me feel this way. They don't even read that. They're just like what 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 bullshit. How come my bullshit. not favorite movie isn't on here? Exactly. How come Halloween isn't on here and Halloween two and Halloween three Halloween four? Yeah. Like, 
Let's like just, just do that. Yeah, as like just whatever the the AMC uh, runs endlessly during their like fear fest or whatever the fuck. We hardly did top anything's on Ottawa Horror. Amy had done a very good one that was very popular because I, I understand the popularity of these top five, top ten lists, top one hundred, um, and she'd done top ten or top five creepy kids. Yeah, and that was before everyone was doing a fucking top list of creepy kids. Yeah, so it was one of the first of that ilk, and nice. she it was very very popular, and there was a lot of feedback. But it was it, she got negative feedback, and it was all to the tune of, well, how about this one, and how about that one, or I don't think that that one counts, and it's like fuck right off, people. How about orphan? She's not a kid. <laughs> Take that. Yeah. yeah, I definitely got that type of uh, feedback when I did a creepy kid uh, top 10 list. And that was one of the more popular ones that we did. It was when I was writing that shit for horrormovies.ca and, and, and the guy that ran the website loved doing top 10s. But no, when I did the creepy kid thing, it was a lot of negative feedback. But also um, there was t- there was two types of negative feedback. One this is bullshit. Like you're incorporating these types of movies. They didn't like that. I had, um, characters from J horror and shit like that. Like Juwan and Ringu and shit oh, like that. Fuck. Yeah. It's like a number one creepy kid in the entire yeah. planet. Yeah. But like, no, no, that's bullshit. Another, so people didn't like it because some people felt it was too cliche. And other times they were, they, I got lambasted because it wasn't including some of their favorites, like even more well-known creepy kid characters. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, I, I I liked my list, and this is just my list, and it's just something to talk about. And but that, that's the problem with these top ten lists. But that's neither here nor there because I stick with what I said about this film, People Under the Stairs. Initially, was it really makes me feel like Halloween because it has, you know, skeletons and creepy kids and creepy adults and it's got a big haunted house like vibe but it's like got traps it is the home alone of halloween i think because you got like the house with all the traps home alone of halloween it's very it that's very appropriate and it's the atmosphere of that house the attitudes of the people um under the stairs or above them and i think it's the fact that it's just so surreal the way that that veil is thin on Halloween or whatever, mm-hmm. and people can really be or do or say mm-hmm. here all the evil they want to. These people live in that Halloween feeling twenty four seven. They really do, and the Hitchcockian vibe because there's many angles in there that I don't. I don't know. I don't read enough about film theory or mm-hmm. film talk. But I, I'd, I'd like to take a look now that I've been watching this again with a critical eye about the parallels between Hitchcock and this particular film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw a lot of them. so And I'm a retard. So, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hear if someone else who knows what they're talking about talk about the Hitchcockian influences, the camera angles that are used, some of the long shots, long shots in tight spaces. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I really enjoy about watching Hitchcock movies and wondering, like, how did they accomplish this shot? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moments like that in this. There's a lot of dream logic to this house as well. You know, you would say, well, you're running in between the walls. Well, any logical person could tell you there's not enough space to run between walls in most houses, but this just has this bizarre logic for this moment instance in which we can run 
freely between walls and crawl up and down and there's trap doors that lead to other trap doors and you know it's big enough for a big old dog to get through and children but just a little too small for adults and so you are running around trying not to make noise while people burst through the walls at you and and then and then that gets turned on its heel because it's also a huge advantage for uh the victims of this house to be able to move around this place that is booby trapped every way you want to imagine automatic doorknobs that electrocute you sharp edges here and there trap slide stairs like it's aside from a few things like the electrocuting doorknob yeah uh, a lot of it makes sense in the context that it was a funeral home that this yeah. had been in this family um i can see how they would use sliding stairs it would be cumbersome with a coffin but you know if you've got to slide some bodies down there like yeah. sure so they're going to be booby trap now it, it appears are booby trap stairs when yeah. you're not using them Right, like there's a few things. The fact that maybe maybe you could walk between the walls so as to not disturb people in the middle of a service. Oh, perhaps like servant corridors and, and stuff like that that they have in hotels, you know. Could be. Ooh. But I am stretching that logic, which kind of falls apart by the end, but we'll get to that. That's true. Yeah, but uh, I do like that dream logic. I recently watched uh, Mother, Darren mm. Aronofsky's gotcha. Mother with Chris, and it has a little bit of that strange logic to a wonderfully huge house and by the end where it's all breaking down people are busting through what you had perceived as a very solid and safe atmosphere because if anything okay the house is not safe and people under stairs <laughs> the people under the stairs are, are kept there forever for a reason because this house is is not safe yeah um but you feel safe and you feel solid <laughs> until the end where everything is definitely breaking down yeah, especially I, I'm I'm glad that at the very end though the there is a, a namesake because it really is uh, the people in a dungeon in the basement, but then it does become the people under the stairs uh, towards the very end. Yeah, and 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 you just you don't really know how a lot of the trap doors and whatnot are possible. Like you close the door and then there's no way to open it again. You basically have to blast your way through, and you know how how would someone not know that under their oven or into their oven spout like an entire person can fit up in there and regularly does so et cetera et cetera well we're getting ahead of ourselves we're getting all into we're like, sort of because i was going to say and what what purpose like i say the stairs that slide that you can trigger to be a ramp serve a purpose but what purpose does it serve when prince the dog takes a puzzly adams ride through the house and you get a good idea of where the side shoot goes for what reason who fucking knows? Yeah. To deliver Prince safely into the kitchen. Yeah. In a very lighthearted uh, fashion, this this film plays very depthly, in my opinion, with lights and darks in tone. There is some very grotesque uh, imagery in this film. There's very grotesque ideas in this film. But there's this weird whimsy to everything where if you were to show people certain scenes out of context, I don't think that they would be able to tell you what kind of movie it is. If you if you just showed them the scene of that dog sliding in and then landing safely inside the kitchen, comedy? Is it a funny dog movie? A funny dog movie. <laughs> I would still watch it. It looks like a great funny dog movie. Prince is an excellent dog actor. A very excellent yeah, dog. Probably. You know, they could have used him on Madhouse. Oh, they could have. Big yeah. time. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. But, uh, yeah... I had no idea what I was in for when I rented this film. 
Um, as a child. I want to say as a child because I was in my early teens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was thoroughly entranced by the first few minutes just because it is so deftly filmed and wonderfully written and perfectly acted mm-hmm. by every minute every single minute of this movie except some of the end just for me but yeah 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 it uh is a really wonderful film even though from the cover from hearing someone describe a scene or bits and pieces that they liked you know everyone might like something different you wouldn't be able to stitch it all together so yeah. If you haven't seen The People Under the Stairs, you know, feel free to listen to the rest of us talking about it. We're going to spoil the living shit out of it, but it's still worth it to watch. Or better yet, pause it and go watch it and see for yourself. Mm, particularly if you, if, you are, if you are wanting to get through a lot of uh, Wes Craven's B-side films, films that people don't talk about all the time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can obviously go to last house you can obviously do hills have eyes and nightmare and 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 scream and and all the movies that he's really really well known for but there's a whole host of others that everything from people under the stairs to shocker to these these types of films that uh get a little less love but are are very paint a very vivid picture of the type of stories that this guy wanted to tell and the types of things that intrigued him about horror uh particularly playing with um the idea of this urban American Gothic just turned completely on its head to the, to the ultimate uh, depravity of white, rich, incestuous maniacs that, you know, can put on this weird fifties veneer. You can't quite place the decade in which they're dressed as, or then they act so pious yet. They're so obviously uh, deranged to have a lot more, below the surface i mean not only are they brother and sister but <laughs> daddy's got himself a fucking gimp suit like a wonderful suit a wonderful suit if you enjoyed the gimp suit in american horror story in the first season mm. then you'll have a taste for this although it's far more studded and far more elaborate yeah. um leather outfit it's a wonderful outfit really really truly yeah. but it, they're right in the same home as parents I love that film too, but that's the same sort of like surreal 50s-ish, but in the 90s, not sure where they fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what is that movie where they all are in the 50s, but then they have sex and the color starts to come in? Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Reminds me of Pleasantville in a way. Yeah. Pleasantville horror style. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But yeah, as far as like parents, speaking of parents and weirdness... Parents always reminds me of Chris from Bind Torture Cast. Okay. Yeah, one of his uh, darling films, one of my darling films as well. And talking about Wes Craven, that Shocker reference mm. reminded me that we were supposed to do a couple movies with Bind Torture Cast. And right. if anyone listens to both shows, they'll know there hasn't been an episode of Bind Torture Cast in quite some time. To soothe you, there is a new episode of Bind Torture Cast. Yeah, 203. Episode 203, where they talk about Terrifier, which I recently got to see, thanks to Chris. We had a a visit, which was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And that film blew my mind. I have a new favorite clown film. Blew your mind, you say? Blew my mind. So I won't be adding it to our clown extravaganza, which is forthcoming (laughs) in the fall. Yeah, fall. Yeah. Yeah. But I will urge everybody to go and check out this 
episode of Mind Torture Cast because holy shit, I love this movie. And I, I haven't listened to it yet. It just dropped today. So I'm very excited to hear what the guys talk about that mm-hmm. film because it was fucking wonderful. It dropped in our midst. We'd just finished watching People Under the Stairs and I had to check Facebook because that's what I do. And bam, new episode of BTK. Before I even had a chance to ask you if uh, Chris and the boys had any plans on doing some new episodes. Yeah. But it's good, it's good. I'm glad he keeps that close to the vest, you know. Yeah, he does, he does. And I don't blame him. I mean, it's his show, and, well, their show, and if we're blessed with a fucking episode, we're going to be blessed with a very amazing episode that moved them to do a show, which I'm pretty excited about. And this is the sort of film that now that I've seen it, I can understand why they wanted to talk about it. Great. Mm -hmm. But that's not the only news that you have. Because there's something for everyone to listen to once they're done listening to our show right now. Something else. Something else, yeah. Speaking of listening to things. I should have brought it up on the last show. The very next day was when it became available. (laughs) Pride Lied Eve is available on Audible. So you can go to my Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. I've been doing some promotion. I'm going to do further promotion later on today. Um... Yes, the audiobook is now available through Amazon, iTunes, Audible for Pray Light Eve. Pray Light Eve 2 comes out soon enough by the same narrator. It will be D. Michael Hope. It'll be the same narrator for both installations. D. Michael Hope, he does a wonderful job, a really wonderful job. So I'm very, very pleased and very proud. Like we had talked about this book coming up where it's so much easier where you can praise someone else's contribution Mm -hmm. to a project. Yeah, he does a really, really good job. So I'm excited for everyone to listen to it. We've been having some very good feedback so far. And I'll probably be annoying everyone with further promotion, but whatever. If it's not for you, if you're not an Audible fan or an audiobook fan or a horror fan, I don't know why you'd be listening to this, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Maybe you're a West fan. but I could see a lot of West fans that are not horror fans listening to this show. No, exactly. That'd be a bad experience for you. I feel. But recommend it to the people that do, like, you know, your mom. Yeah, my mom definitely does this. I'm a huge uh, audiobook consumer. It's how I uh, consume most books because it just uh, fits my lifestyle, fits my lifestyle of working overnights. And I love to pop in a good audiobook. So I have um, Pray Light Eve at the ready. Oh, good. So when I get off my vacation this week, I'll be able to listen to that. And so that'll be exciting. I know you'll be running to that Bind Torture Cast episode before you hit. Pray Light Eve, and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> no one will ever know which is first. I'm very excited to hear what people think, so mm-hmm. drop us a line. Me, I mean, and my narrator. Wes won't care. He just wants to listen to it, and he'll be on his merry way. Yeah, I just consume media and throw it in the damn garbage. You can't throw an audiobook in the garbage, though. Uh, I can if I use a digital trash can. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. And I had had some excitement leading up to the release of the book from our listener, Thomas. So thank you, Thomas, as ever, yeah, for your continued excitement. It's very helpful, especially on a, on a dour day. Yeah. Um, but it's never a dour day when you have someone like Thomas in your feeds. Yeah, yeah, true. And also, he's got his own uh, webcomic coming out, Justice Cops, on June 20th. So, you know, he's a really funny guy, and uh, I remember reading some of those early scripts. It's really funny, uh, really funny uh, stuff. So, uh, I mean, it's not horror, but, I mean, 
it's uh it's two cops just i guess making their way <laughs> they cover horror sometimes on his podcast too which i do yeah. like when they do especially when there's not horror fans in the room mm-hmm. that's doubly hilarious to me yeah. and i think of like every time i think of justice cops i've seen all the preliminary uh, promotion coming up it reminds me of the bumbling cops you would see in horror films and they're always good comic relief if there's going to be comic relief in a horror film I, I like it to be something like that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I think it'll be entertaining anyway. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It'll definitely be a good time. Uh, so you guys are definitely want to check, uh, check that out. But now to the main course. What is this fucking movie even about anyways, Liz? It is about how you can learn to appease even the most wretched parents if you just stay quiet. Stay seen, not heard. If you understand that you will burn in hell if you're a bad girl. <laughs> and above all, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. It's very, very good. I used to have, I used to, I still have, no one panic. I still have uh, these little brass uh, monkeys that are about this big and i've had them for years and i don't remember where they came from this big folks oh sorry this big yeah sorry it's uh, they're just a couple inches across and there are the see no evil hear no evil speak no evil uh and uh i still have them to this day and so anytime that i ever see that mantra however you want to call it i always think about these tiny little brass monkeys that i had or have sorry you know what my favorite thing to do in a day is? What's that? See evil. See evil. Or hear evil. Hear evil. And failing those two, I will probably speak some evil. <laughs> now, it kind of depends on what your perception of evil is. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that when it comes to mommy and daddy, kind of anything might be considered evil that they just don't like. Pretty much, but it also just extends uh, upon their children. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling this must be how they were raised to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I, I could also guess that they slaughtered and ate their own parents yeah. or something. It, it certainly doesn't extend to them because they definitely race around the house stomping around, screaming, burning hell constantly and swearing and yeah. probably having sex. It's probably incestuous sex, probably. Yeah, for sure. For, for sure. I would be very shocked if that was not the case. It could like It's hard to pin them down. It really, really is. It, it's hard to to say what they really want, except for money. That is the clearest and most obvious thing. They seem to uh, be cannibalistic. They seem to love to. They're slumlords on top of everything. Their family owns at least fifty bu- uh, buildings in this rundown ghetto of a neighborhood. That is home. To Fool and his family. Now, don't worry. Fool is not his actual name. It's Poindexter. Yeah, much better name. <laughs> Fool, Ruby, Grandma, and I guess Ruby's boyfriend? Leroy? Pimp, Pimp maybe? I, she, he did say something about her turning tricks. But I think he was trying to keep her away from turning tricks, but he comes across as a bit of a pimp, but he's also a bit of a thug. He's a bit of a thug. He he definitely has... Uh, he, it's weird. Leroy has an interesting dynamic with the family, and the one hand seeming to want to help, because here's the deal. 
they're three days late on their rent. The only there's a stipulation in the fine print of their uh, lease that if they're late on their rent, then they can stay if they pay triple what their rent is worth. That is like a ridiculous. And then, and then when you you think that when you hear it, but then you meet the landlords and you sort of understand oh, why yeah, they absolutely. would put a clause in there like that, the fucking yeah. bastards. And Fool and his family uh, his, uh, are the last holdouts of this burned out house. Like, it, it, people are basically just squatting in it. They're the only people that actually have any sort of legal claim to like living there because they're, they're paying their rent on time, or at least they were. Now they're unable to. They're the, uh, Fool's mother is taken quite ill. And, and so they're kind of up shit creek without a paddle. But Leroy comes in with this solution. The solution is, why don't we go to the landlord's house? Because they are loaded and we can steal gold coins. Yeah, they have a coin collection that mm-hmm. um, a liquor store that Leroy had broken into recently Hey, he had found a letter there from somebody looking to buy this coin collection mm-hmm. that the landlords have and happened to be that self-same landlord. So for just from sneaky luck, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're not the first people to get wind of this coin collection. Because when they go to the house through some very, you know, comical means, very typical horror movie, comedy movie, burglars kind yeah. of things... That house is locked up solid, and it looks like no one's going to get in. Now, Leroy and his partner... Spencer there. Spencer. Try and talk their way into the house by using little tiny Poindexter, <laughs> or Fool, uh, as dressed up as a Eagle Scout or something. Something like Cub Scout or whatever, we don't know. Bear Scout. Bear Scout. what they say. Bear Troop, something like that. Bear anyway. Troop, yeah. To go and sell cookies. To yeah. kind of case the place. Yeah, to be able to get inside to see what's what. When they're uninterested in buying cookies, um, uh, mommy isn't. Uh, sh- uh, he tries to pull the old, I got to use your bathroom. Well, she's not going to let anyone into the house, let alone a, a little kid. A little, a little black kid. I mean, they definitely have this... Uh, racial undertone of like they're dirty and filthy and blah 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 but it, but it's really anybody because the old spencer is up next and he's doing the old gas I gotta, meter yeah i gotta yeah. check your meter like this random thing that you know they actually do warn people about as like you gotta if someone comes shows up and says i need to check your meter like you know you gotta get id and shit like that um and then they're waiting leroy and uh fool are waiting and Spencer never comes out, so Leroy, thinking that Spencer is going to take the coins for himself and split, because, you know, no honor among thieves, uh, they decide to break into the house. Because they see that uh, mom and dad, or is accredited as a man and woman, leave the house, and they think, well, there's no way that they left him there alone. There has to be somebody in the house. So they don't know what's going on, but they want to check it out. And so this is where... Things get really fucking weird. We've only had a tiny hint of what mummy and daddy's life is like inside that house. A yeah. tiny hint, a little a little scene at the fireplace. It seems mm. almost like a family thing where she's sewing and uh, daddy is sitting by the fire. And they Eaten. have their daughter, Alice, yeah. that is just kind of hanging out, I guess, asking a question about where do people go when you when they are displaced from their houses. And she gets snapped at that uh, children shouldn't speak. They should be heard and not speak. 
or I didn't ask you mm -hmm. any questions mm -hmm. or whatever. So we've had this little snippet of what the inside of the house is like and what their dynamic is like. Mm -hmm. Very stern, very strict, very opulent. So we have an idea that they wouldn't leave somebody in there whatsoever. And something you, you would think that something bad must have happened. Oh, yeah. Even though it's overridden with Leroy's concern that he's being robbed. Yeah. The robbers are being robbed. Uh, but this is, you know, from the beginning to now, I was just kept thinking this is how gangland involvement begins. This is how gang involvement begins because the whole point for Fool is to get money to help his mom, to help his sister, to pay the rent, you know, really re regular concerns. Mm -hmm. It's not that he's looking to get drugs. It doesn't look like Leroy's on drugs or anything like that. No. This isn't a random thing. This is what they're going to do to pay the rent, right? Mm -hmm. So they have some real motivation to go in there, mm -hmm. let alone finding Spencer. Which, uh, after a series of really strange events, much uh, also including uh, their first encounter with Prince. Prince the Pup. Prince the Pup. Uh, he's a Rottweiler, uh, and man, he's a vicious dog. The dog uh, has like that unnatural dog strength where he's just like fucking all over them. And uh, Leroy has to basically brace the door and they can't go back out the way that um, they came. Yeah, because they come into a small like receiving porch. They break into there by breaking glass because they can't get in the house any other way. It's locked up tight. Mm -hmm. And then once they get through that door is when Prince attacks. So they do a little dosy do and mm -hmm. end up with Prince on the other side of the outside door. So that they are, yes, trapped inside, which is handy. So they have a, night, uh, a chance to kind of like creep around. They're pretty sure their friend is still in there. And they're pretty sure there's no one else in there because they can't hear anything. So they're mm -hmm. sort of just, okay, well, let's look around for this gold. Yeah. and But there's little things that we're seeing. Stuff getting dragged around into weird cubby holes. There's plaster and dust and soot being sort of knocked down from something. Leroy chops it up to rats. Yeah. Uh, nice to see the rich folks have rats too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's actually just one big roach. It is <laughs> fitting. Fitting, yeah. So we we're definitely seeing that something is definitely up. And what fool encounters down in the basement is he finds Spencer white as a sheet, white hair and everything, just like a good horror movie where somebody gets scared to death. Yeah. Does it? Does does that happen to people when they get scared to death? Do they turn that white with hair and everything like that? Is that is that medically anything, or is that just like a made up thing? You can have not an instant hair whitening. That's never happened. Um, but then you can also find accounts where ectoplasm is a real thing too. But it is about there in the realm of mythology as ectoplasm, but. You can be so stressed out that your hair will grow in very brittle and mm. sometimes white mm -hmm. in places, not all of a sudden shock white hair mm -hmm. or anything like that. So no, but you can be electrocuted and yeah. lose pigment. There is that. And there's going to be some electrocution coming. And this is where we fool first encounters uh, not only Spencer's body, but what's in the basement. And there just seems to be a whole bunch of flashlights and a whole bunch of moaning. It's almost like you'd think... There's zombies, but they're really... Or miners. Or miners, <laughs> exactly. And also they keep, uh, they're encountering somebody else that is not behind this uh, boarded up wall. They're encountering a, a thin, pale guy that's just screeching at them at all times. Leroy encounters them too. And every time that they encounter this guy, 
as they realize that um, mom and dad have returned, uh, it's just poor Roach, and he's really he's mad at bad at first impressions because he's always just yelling at people and trying to reach at them. I guess he doesn't really put two and two together that you can tell from the outside perspective. Oh, he's trying to help. Yeah, but I mean, it looks fucking terrifying. It does look fucking terrifying, especially when you're in a state where you are terrified. You just found a dead friend. There's people barricaded in this place that are moaning and screeching and grabbing at you and the owners of the house are home Mm -hmm. you haven't quite been able to understand how terrifying they are Mm -hmm. but they're home and you're a burglar basically so that's scary enough as it is Mm -hmm. the silver lining or golden lining as it were is that fool did find a gold coin in spencer's hand so the gold coins do exist Mm mm-hmm they absolutely do exist. and that- Better than Goonies. You find this out right away. <laughs> it is kind of like one on Willie's treasure. Um, they, this is where we also get to see how mom and dad handle the security in their home, which is crazy. They have a switchboard that can lock every room in the house. They have bulletproof glass i mean even even to the point in which a big i mean leroy's played by actor vin rames a big fucking dude and he's like kicking and kicking as hard as he can it's not even breaking the frame of the the window let alone like can they get through anyway every door is locked windows can't be broken out of there's a dog chasing them you know that these people are totally prepared for people breaking in and that will basically result in them trying a lot of different ways to hide, to move from room to room. And also there's the extra factor that Alice is moving around. Alice, the little girl, the daughter, the daughter, quote unquote, um, who is trying to help. So there's already we're getting introduced uh, to a lot of different characters all at once. But this house in of itself, uh, basically being one big maze uh, trap. Um, And there's people that definitely know their way in and out, but these two don't. And this is where Leroy, like, demonstrates some interesting character behavior because on the one hand, he's kind of like, oh, every man for himself. Because even when he goes into a hiding spot, he's like, only room for one. And he... Shoves fucking Fool into the hallway just before all the doors lock. So Fool's basically trapped inside the house without anywhere to go, no doors to open, nothing mm-hmm. like that. Ving Rhames' character, Leroy, is trapped inside a broom closet of some sort. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like a gimp closet? It's <laughs> some collars and stuff. They're, they're just randomly uh, strewn about the house, which I think is hilarious. Bridles. There's a lot, bridles. A lot of bridles. Studded leather bridles, mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, which ends up being a, not a good choice for Leroy. But, yeah, um, it's weird when you follow different characters... How you get to know the house, but from these different perspectives. Because, mm-hmm. of course, mom and daddy inhabit the inside of the house. Like a normal, quote-unquote, normal people would live on the inside of the house. And then we get the roach eye view, which mm-hmm. is literally a roach eye view. Because he does go in between the walls and through the ducts and everywhere that a, a roach would. This mm-hmm. boy goes. And he's probably, what, like a 14-year-old boy? Yeah, like yeah. Not mm-hmm. tiny, but tiny enough to fit into all of these places. Mm-hmm. And then we get sort of an in-between that from Fool's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, 
I, and I think that it's really interesting like how this movie picks up and keeps this pace going for a long time. And a lot of different things happen at this juncture in the film that I was I did not realize were so early. Because it's been a long time since I had seen this. Um, but I did know that the, 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 the house involves like Fool eventually getting out, but then he goes back for Alice. But I wasn't exactly sure, like, when certain characters were dying, when certain things were actually going to occur. So it was it was really interesting to see that things were a lot closer. But we do come up on that scene uh, in which they're all getting electrocuted. And this is, in my opinion, one of the most like Looney Tunes aspects of this movie. It's where, again, Vin Rames, uh, or Leroy, decides this is going to be the, the situation. I'm going to get the dog to attack you. He's not going to know I'm here. And I'm going to get the jump on this dog. But you have to be bait, essentially. But for some reason, Prince does not attack when he gets in front of Fool. And it's only when Leroy pops his head up that now the dog is going to attack him. And then Fool uses the idea of, well, this doorknob sends an electrical current through me. I will grab onto Leroy and then we will electrocute the dog. And the charge is too much for the dog, but not the other two. Yeah. So... The dog gets taken out, not killed, but at least stunned enough for them to, like, handle themselves. And in this electrocution scene, the dog is about the best actor. It's it's kind (laughs) of, this is where the comedy starts to creep in. Yeah. For sure, because it is a comedic scene. It is very Three Stooges. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Three Stooges is the perfect way to look at it. Yeah. I think that uh, also when you have Daddy show up, now he's got his gun, he's got his laser sight. He's very shooty. Yeah, and it's sort of like a a really unexpected introduction to Daddy in this guise. We haven't we've spent a lot more time with Mummy at this point. We understand that she's a very strict, very authoritarian, very old fashioned, very mm-hmm. proper fifties looking housewife, Stepford wife with yeah. a Cruella Deville sort of streak to her. She definitely has that 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 mean like frown with the bright red lipstick, right? Exactly, and she does it very very well. Uh, you may recognize Mummy and Daddy as Nadine and Ed from Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. This is what I would like to imagine is their natural progression in coupledom. When they, <laughs> you know, she stopped being so worried. When she finally got her drapes to glide silently, um, she convinced Ed to sell the gas station. And here's where they ended up as Mummy and Daddy. Daddy. And that, that's why they have no names, right? Because mm-hmm. they are Nadine and Ed. Played by Everett McGill and Wendy Robbie. And... One of my most favorite on-screen couples here and in Twin Peaks. They really are hilarious <laughs> and, and ridiculous. But we haven't had a much interaction with Daddy up until this point. He's being kind of like the strong, silent type. Mm-hmm. He's not so silent. Super fucking strong. His favorite thing to say is burn in hell. He does like to say burn in hell a lot. And when he goes on the hunt, like really onto the hunt, he wears this gimp costume. Head-to-toe leather. Head-to-toe leather, including a, a mask. And, and it really seems to be him coming alive. And I don't know if this is what this could possibly be. I, I mean, obviously, it, 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 you have like some BDSM elements to it, but is this part of some kind of play? You know what I'm saying? Him on the hunt or something like that. Him on the hunt as well. Like, I think the only. While he's wearing the outfit, he's definitely in hunting mode. There's only a one tiny point 
where there is any even hint of sexuality connected to his wearing that outfit, mm. but it's far more connected to the presence of Alice yeah. at that point. I'm going to definitely apologize for this noisy episode. It will be a noisy episode here and there. We have it's summertime, unfortunately, in Hipsterburg, and there are fucking motorcycles and saws and bullshit and dogs and humans. Oh, I know. That's the only good thing about wintertime. It freezes them all to death. Yeah. So no one can make a peep and no one is out there riding motorcycles around or sawing trees in half. Anyway, I think that there are, like, she sort of leads, like, tells him to, that it's bedtime a couple times while he's wearing the suit. So maybe that is some sort of invitation to adult playtime. Perhaps. perhaps. But then he, she also, it, it, they don't really make it very clear, which is good. It's all very, very subtle. And it's all, I'm just guessing that maybe because of her attitude toward the dog, Prince, and that Prince is wearing a studded collar that matches the outfit that Daddy is wearing. And she constantly refers to Daddy, usually off screen and usually in hushed tones as they're heading to bed as a good boy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there might be something, another aspect of her controlling nature that mm. has to do with him in the gimp outfit. But when she's not treating him like a dog, mm -hmm. which I think she might, yeah. she doesn't really in front of us. Mm -hmm. I think that when he is wearing it for his own purposes, that it is like this wild and free hunter, killer guy. Mm -hmm. He still very much follows directions of her. There is only one instance one instance in which he fights back on her physically, choking her. And, and there's even a bit of weird role play even in that instance, right? It almost seems like something she did triggered something in what he did in what he did. But for the most part, he does follow her orders. Where to go, who to kill, how to kill. You can't kill this person, but you can kill this person. What are we going to do? She is the decision maker. Mm -hmm. She is the, the, the one that deals the most with passersby, people who would be ringing the doorbell and stuff like that. She is definitely, at least in how she's presented in this film, the, the head of the household. And, and so I definitely think that there is an aspect where... He is almost like another dog. Um, and he seems fairly easygoing. You know, she is the racist, sexist, classist person. Yeah. He sort of transcends all that just by being a little more like a dog, you know, mm -hmm. just not thinking about stuff like that and simply reacting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, is, it is really uh, fascinating. Now, Leroy himself is going to get killed. And thankfully, because of Fool's ridiculous nickname, when he says run, Fool, again, kind of shouting out, like, get out of here while he's getting shot. I was like, that's a that's a that's a different that's a different dynamic where he's not in self-preservation mode. He's thinking as he's getting shot to to, to this kid, go save yourself now. Um, so, like, Leroy definitely has, like, some different dynamics to him in which you know maybe he's like no 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 people are trying to screw me i need to use this kid but he kind of somewhat genuinely seems to care but when the chips are down go fuck yourself you're on your own but then well, i guess when he's dying he thinks no 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 what about fool and mom and dad seem thrilled yeah doing a little dance oh my and god everything sing songs oh yeah they really like that they killed this guy 
Oh, yeah. He's a big one, too. And this goes to the, the... We get to see, I guess, what has happened many times before. Because Fool now is under the care of Roach. Roach has managed to pull Fool uh, free, or, or get Fool free, but not before um, he's led into the corridors via Alice tugging these dolls that she likes to make. Dolls on a string, which, oddly, the, the pulling of the string, it's bailing twine string that they seem to use, when the very first time when Fool is tricked down those stairs that turn into a ramp, you see somebody tug a bailing twine string that triggers these stairs. They are also triggered by a huge switch at the top of the stairs, mm-hmm. but they're triggered at this point. And I don't know if it was Alice or Roach that initially was fucking with Fool in the basement. Because mm-hmm. they don't show the hand, they just show the rope being True. pulled. So I don't know which one it was, but Alice also uses this bailing twine for some reason. I guess it's the only toy she's given, <laughs> aside from a sewing machine and fabric, I suppose, to make mm. these almost puppet-style voodoo doll-looking dolls that she makes of mm. things. Instantaneously. Really yeah. She has one of Leroy already. Mm-hmm. And this is where, when we realize that the the interior of the walls of this place are, I mean, geez, if you were a kid, this would be like fantasy land. You could, oh, yeah. You could run through the, the, the house at your whimsy and never be caught. And there's even uh, trap doors that seem to have been created probably by Roach or perhaps even by other people that have now since died or whatever um, that even mom and dad don't know about or can't quite figure out because they can't seem to get Roach. Roach is uh, one of these boys. Now, Alice will tell us that there's people that live in the basement that can't get out, that never see daylight, have their tongues cut out uh, because they've broken one of the cardinal rules of the house. They've either, which is see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. And sometimes when they're trying to call for help or when they're trying to... Uh, with a talk back, whatever, um, whatever it is, they were supposed to be this ideal brother, boy child, because they wanted a boy and a girl and to live in this weird idealized fantasy land mm. of the sick fucks that they are. And well, these are the rejects. Oh, if it, you think that their life is bad, it's not so bad. They're given flashlights and food of some sort, and I suppose they're happy in their own way. That's how Alice justifies all of this. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. The food that they're given, it's people. <laughs> Quite plainly, yeah. It's, it's people. They uh, We even get to when Fool is finally caught by mom and dad, and, and uh, mom's solution is, what is it, total spring cleaning or, or whatever. Which, again, I just... I apologize to West all I apologize to Wes already for this, but I apologize into the future if I become this woman <laughs> because I am touched and moved by her you know this hell is coming down descending upon her house. humans are in it. there's blood all over the floor, like there's people in the walls. she's going to have a little fuck. A bit of a mental breakdown if this mm-hmm. continues. So what she needs is a spring cleaning. Yeah. Don't we all? Don't we all? No, it really is. I uh, can relate to that. 
It's not so far-fetched from how you act anyways. It just adds some murder on top of your general behaviors. And I could see you being a mom eventually. Oh, God, no, no, no. Not a mother. Oh. The character of mom. She's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that a mommy and daddy would make a wonderful burlesque routine. It would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, very, very and he's got, he's got his suit already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Part of this cleaning, cleaning a body, cleaning a corpse, uh, like you're cleaning it, like you'd clean a deer carcass and shit like that, getting all the organs out. And Daddy is just eating part of Leroy, like just like eating it. And, and then right he, in front of Fool, because by this point they have captured Fool. Yeah. And if you think that's bad, it doesn't matter. It happens over and over again. <laughs> you oh, gotta yeah. get used to Fool getting caught and getting away. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of handy that way. So we've got Fool in the basement with Daddy, um, watching what Daddy does too these people mm-hmm. and eventually he he eviscerates the corpse and he throws some meat to the people under the stairs and he throws the corpse into this like well or cistern that is down yeah. in the basement really gross body pit and i guess it's handy um maybe that's where it, when it used to be a funeral home where they put the the charnel perhaps i'm not sure it's possible yeah, yeah something gross anyway it's a gross pit that's for sure yeah um while alice is upstairs helping mother clean scrubbing it and then and then she got blood on her dress there's an interesting uh, or a, a funny point where alice slips on blood a huge pool of blood and and i it just seems so authentic to me i'm wondering if the actor really did slip on that huge pile of blood when she wasn't meant to would it be I, the first time that somebody's had to deal with a giant pool of blood and did almost a, a whoop 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 is yeah. that how you say it when you're... Uh, whoop, 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 whoop. There you go. Thank you. See, I can't do that. No, it's okay. Yeah. I, will, I will be the clown for both of us. Perfect. So I think that you're probably right because it did seem very authentic. Um, unless there's a few things in this film that look very slapstick and just very like caught on camera. Uh, or it was several takes to mm-hmm. get that feeling. It's one of the two. Yeah. There's some things that later on that Everett McGill does too that seem very... You know, he's like a ping pong ball. He's like a ping pong ball in uh, certain scenes uh, that are like Three Stooges oh, kind yeah. of slapstick, right? Mm-hmm. But it could, it looks so natural. It really does. And, and, and you're just like, whoa, she, she fucking just slipped right on her butt. And then, of course, she gets blood on her dress. And that's where she gets dunked in this boiling yeah. bathtub while her mother's screeching at her. Which there are several parallels in this to V.C. Andrews mm. books, not only Flowers in the Attic. Which is cute that you got flowers in the attic and people under the stairs. That Ooh. sounds like a fucking cool house. But uh, there are other things about this house and about the way that mummy behaves. But this particular scene, I think it's a V.C. Andrews book called Dawn, which is part of the... I don't know if it is the original V.C. Andrews or the beginning of... Or I don't know if it was part of the series that Andrew Niederman wrote later on under the name V.C. Andrews. But there is a scene almost exactly like this of a girl who has been told that bad girls go to hell and speak no evil, hear no evil. That sort of attitude was being instilled upon this girl that maybe looked sideways at her cousin or something. I'm not sure what, there was probably an incestuous reason for all of this. And she gets thrown into a bath, a boiling hot bath with a scrub brush and treated almost exactly the same way that Alice is treated by mommy in this scene. Um, It is a, that's a harrowing scene. And this is, testament to i think the great acting skills of wendy robbie because 
whether or not the actress playing Alice fell into that blood as an accident, she carries on in the scene in character flawlessly. And this is another one where you've got this wonderful child actor, even though she's a little older to be saying child actor, but she strikes me as a child actor, behaving so impeccably terrified in this tub scene while she's getting scrubbed in this boiling hot water. Whether or not the steam's coming off of it, we don't know how hot it is, but looking at the way her face reacts when she gets put into that tub, we believe it is boiling. She's just trying hot. to almost desperately get out of the tub. Yeah. While mommy is holding her down and scrubbing her with a bristle, a boar bristle brush. Like, it's very harrowing. This scene alone is fucking crazy. It is very active, a very dynamic scene. And acted just very brilliantly, so it's very tense and very terrifying, very, very dark as well. Just the things that are being said while this is happening. So yeah, I really I really love this scene, and it is the utmost parallel, I think, to V.C. Andrews in this entire film. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. Um, there's, there's a point in this uh, film where things get so surreally dark at this harrowing scene that you're talking about where you're thinking okay we've just watched these people brutally kill somebody we've seen one of them eviscerate this person eat part of his body we've seen a dog eat spencer's hand or what was what not on hand there's cannibalistic people under the stairs because he he tosses a chunk of meat keeps them hungry we've seen them uh, terrorize these children. We've seen th- th- this 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 young girl getting put into boiling water, and 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 th- there's something about it though that never gets extreme because I think that there's there's almost like this level of lunacy to these characters where things are pretty dark, but the movie itself doesn't feel that dark. You I know think there is never once a, a wink and a nod to the camera. Like, yeah. you think that's crazy, now watch this. You know, yeah. they don't have any feelings like this. And this is, even though it is a super extraordinary day in the lives of almost everybody involved, it does feel very much like business as usual from the attitudes we're getting from mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, maybe not every day that they have to dunk Alice into a boiling hot tub but it mm-hmm. definitely happened before because of the way that she is so shocked and in victim stance and has never seen the outside and has a real fear of the outside and no understanding of like the neighborhood or anything around her outside so she's definitely got this like prisoner sort of feel stockholm syndrome i suppose yeah um so things like this must have happened before so they have a sort of nonchalance to it even though they're angry and they are, you know, sort of flying by the seat of their pants to try and deal with Fool. Because even though Fool is what they would think under control right now, because he's been thrown in with the people under the stairs, everything gets a little more lunatic here. Because even though we've just seen all this and I'm probably thinking this is awfully dark, the comedy comes back in the guise of Roach. Because yeah. to scare back the people in the stairs, Roach picks up the corpse of yeah. Leroy and starts kind of going ooh, yeah. ooh, and bringing it near them and scaring them like I am a dead corpse ghost yeah. and he can't talk so he's just sort of going ooh. <laughs> and it's the most 
surreal moment that even fool is like whoa what's going on here now yeah. there's corpses walking around it scares back the people in the sta- under the stairs and roach lets fool out again mm-hmm. so now fool is free to roam in the walls with roach mm-hmm. there is some uh bad news though because of uh daddy just constantly shooting at the fucking walls uh roach has been shot and they end up in a boiler and Roach does give Fool some pretty good news. Gold coins. Yeah. Not only the one that he has somewhere in his pocket, I'm sure, mm-hmm. throughout all of this. He hands him, like, a little baggie of them. A little baggie of them. Roach does say one thing in such a way that he can with his tongue cut out. Is he writes Alice's name in the soot on the inside of the boiler and points up outward. His request, get her out. Mm-hmm. And a noble request, a noble request, and then he subsequently dies. And I thought that that happened way later in the movie, like way, way later. I, th- I was like, oh, I thought Roach was helping them out a lot more than he was. I remember uh, Roach not being in the entire film whatsoever, mm-hmm. but I did envision a, a different death happening a lot sooner that mm-hmm. doesn't happen for quite some time. Yeah, and I also envisioned a reaction that was different, but it's been probably 10 years. Yeah. Since I've really seen this, it's been on once since, but I didn't watch it that closely to remember that exact timeline of these, this particular death that I have in mind. Yeah, Maybe. that um, that will come just a little bit later when we have um, Fool and Alice now together. Alice seems to be wanting to help Fool and seemingly wanting to get out of the house herself. Now she also has this mentality of. Nobody gets out of the house. People have tried. They fail. Yeah, see this giant fucking container of dolls I've made? These, yeah. like, 40 dolls? These are all the burglars and service people that have come to the house and have not left. Yeah, have never left. And so she has that ingrained in her head, but she still wants to help. Because this is where the most gonzo thing in the house, really, is the fact that there is this this bed of spikes that comes from the side. It's like a video game. It is like a video game. There's this portion where I'm like, this would make a wonderful video game. Yeah. Um, it, I guess Outlast is a lot like this. Outlast plus a third-person Diablo or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure. Um, or a first-person Diablo would be fun. I just love Diablo. I know you do. Yeah. Now, they, you think that, okay, somebody's definitely going to die via this weird contraption, but they don't. The other thing that's, that they need to be concerned about is they're not entirely safe while they're in the walls because that's where mom and dad use prints all the time and this is like they're trying to get up to the attic at Mm -hmm. this point daddy has been in and out of his his gimp suit mostly in and he's if he's not chasing fool through the walls by shooting randomly at them he's chasing fucking roach through the walls Mm -hmm. he doesn't know that he's killed roach he knows he he thinks he probably clipped him Mm -hmm. we have proof that he clipped him we know that roach is dead but he doesn't know that so when he's shooting along the walls he sometimes doesn't quite know who he's shooting or what he's shooting Mm -hmm. but he's shooting something because he also gets a kind of wild man uh persona while he's in the gimp outfit because he's like hollering yahooing and chasing he'll shoot anything in his house his whole house should be full of fucking bullet holes he probably spends his sundays patching everything yeah and that actually is an interesting thing we'll go back to like the weird dream logic of this house uh very shortly but eventually um, Prince does catch up with Fool and Alice, and Alice seems kind of uh, lame to help initially. But and Fool is basically fighting off this dog. And this is probably like a hundred pound dog, at least. 
and versus this kid. He manages to I don't know if it's as he's managed to intuit that daddy is there and that he might think that it's fool, but he keeps slamming the dog against the wall. So daddy will hear that. And instead of firing, daddy starts like with a bayonet, a bayonet, which to me is way more of the aesthetic that I would expect from this weird old Gothic house because initially, Daddy's running around, and he's got a handgun with a fucking laser sight. And I was like, that seems awfully modern. For some reason, I feel like he should have, like, a musket or, like, an old revolver or then something like that. he has like this that. massive 30-30 that he's, like, blasting the walls yeah, with, like, true. mad. And endless shotgun rounds and yeah. shit. But this time, he's got something affixed with a bayonet. And he runs that dog through, thinking that he finally killed Fool. And Fool even does some acting. He's like, oh, oh. Yeah. And Fool's going to get him a couple of times. Which is kind of hilarious. Like, that daddy skips down the stairs singing, sing-songing, I got him, I got him, I got him. Mm-hmm. And mommy says, prove it. Yeah. Which is kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, she's not convinced, and good thing. And her reaction to like, yo, cow prince. There's a reaction of hers later on, near the very end of the film, where she is chasing people with a knife. That I thought was her reaction to the dog dying. Oh, I confused yeah. her reaction there. She's pretty sad, but then not long after she throws out the line, well, I guess we got to get a new dog, a yeah, big one. A big one, yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess she didn't like Prince that much, even though there's framed photos of him in the house. True, but you, you might get the sense that they always seem to have an attack dog, and it's probably gotten killed once or twice. It's probably always named Prince. It's probably always named Prince. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. it's always Prince. Who knows how old that photo is, like... Yeah. Or whatever. How many dogs have been through there? So this house is built like a fucking fortress. There is a, a chink in the armor, so to speak. That one the scale missing that that arrow will hit true. The fucking attic is not locked up at all. No, there's even an open window. There's an open window, and it's a it's a ten foot drop or whatever. But there's a, a pond. Now, we'd seen this little, uh, it's like a fish pond or whatever, on the side of the house. Fool had been playing around with it when he was uh, perpetrating uh, being a, a bear scout or whatever the Selling hell. cookies. Selling cookies. Uh, now, this is where Alice wants to escape, get away from her parents, quote-unquote, up until the moment in which she is actually presented with the opportunity to escape. There's too many, I don't know how deep it is. I don't know what's out there. I, 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 she, so she stops. And next thing you know, daddy's there with the gun. I like her line here where she looks out at the landscape. She smells the air, which it seems, you know, refreshing, invigorating, and it sparks curiosity. And she almost could be convinced to leave. But then the fear overtakes her eyes. Really, really good acting from this girl. And you can see that she is apprehensive. She takes a step back and says, what's out there? Mm. She's never been or seen outside, right? So mm. that, well, she's seen outside by looking at the windows, but not like felt it on her skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like that line a lot because it's a lot like more of the reaction of somebody encountering a closed door. And wondering what's beyond that. Mm. It might as well be a closed door to Alice. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. Now, Fool does manage to make the drop, and he survives. And then manages to get away. So at, gold! At the Yeah, he got his gold. Wonderful ending. 
Wonderful ending. Credits. Applause. Credits. There is a por- portion at the very beginning of this film in which his sister Ruby is discussing tarot cards. And she's doing a tarot reading and she is talking about the fool. This is how he got his nickname. This is how he... And he's like, don't remind me. But the fool seems to uh, be only a fool until it faces a trial by fire. And this trial by fire is represented very obviously in this sense. He can step forward into uncertainty, but like absolute death, which I suppose in this sense could be considered like being looking out for himself and being well off with his money because he can now um, pay rent until the year 2000. The future. The future, the year 2000, where we don't know what life's going to be. Flying cars. So basically, like, nine years worth of rent on these tenements. And on top of of that, his grandfather tells him, we can pay for your mother's surgery. Your mom will get well, and we can pay rent. You fixed the problem. But there's still one thing. Alice is still there. And these people are still going... Unchallenged, And this could be another ending to this film because, you know, if it had to be, you know, if you had to chop off the whole second half of the movie, basically, mm-hmm. I guess second or like last third of the movie, mm-hmm. um, because it does seem to go on quite a bit from here. If you really wanted a good feel good ending to this, you can stop it where a fool marches down to a payphone, calls 911 and reports child endangerment. Yeah, and and that to me is the logical solution. He says, he calls people, but there's also a, a sense where you think, oh man, these these people are prepared. And this is this is the 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 odd dream logic that I was talking about. This house was ransacked. There 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 was probably about fifty gunshot holes, huge gunshot holes. Mm-hmm. Everywhere, from Alice's bedroom to the hallways, every which way you want to imagine. Blood everywhere. Blood everywhere, broken windows, whatever have you. Daddy looks like a fucking mess. Mommy too. The fucking dog's been killed. Now they have 20 cops and child services in their fucking house. And it's prim and proper. The house is pristine. She's serving tea. And coffee and cookies. Oh, this is such late hour. I feel so bad for you guys. And the cops are just like, they're digging into it and stuff like that. Daddy is like smoking his pipe, got his ball cap on to hide his fucking wound on his forehead. But yeah, yeah, she doesn't have much to hide except what amazing culinary skill she has. Because I'll bet those cookies are to die for. I bet you. And probably people did. And the cops swallow it because they don't even have children these this couple according to them mm-hmm. and they say things like you know oh the furniture's been in the family a long time so right away you've got this like appeal that they've been part of the community for a very long time and trusted mm-hmm. rich white people and her saying things like well i guess it's better to have some false alarms than for any child to be harmed yeah. you know and they're just like quite right they're yeah. just eating it up right mm-hmm. and they know all the things to say all the things to do and they, and and the, the advantage of this house is there's enough trap doors and secret rooms that the cops can't possibly... Even even the house, based on the size of it alone, you would need a small army to search that house thoroughly. Yeah. And... Um, the only misstep they almost have is when Daddy finds another studded leather bridle kind of in the hall, and he just stuffs it into like a 
a hidden compartment in one mm-hmm. of the under the wainscoting. So like they get away with this entirely, even to the point where one cop notices a girl's bedroom and says there's something you got to see, brings another cop in. And they say, like, we thought you said you didn't have children. It's obviously a child's room. Mm -hmm. But they pass that off with explaining that it was a death of a child they used to have. And it's like, she always lives here. And she always will. And always will. They're Mm -hmm. definitely speaking directly to Alice, who I thought could hear them. But she's tied to a, a chimney in the attic. So she obviously can't hear any of this going on. Yeah, yeah, and but it is all healed up. It's all pristine. It's all perfect, as perfect as that Cupid's bow of red lipstick that Mummy has. It's so crazy, and and you would just think, how could the house have been repaired so quickly? What did they do? It's only been, let's say, an hour. Bippity boppity boo. Yeah, so we don't we don't have to question it. This this house seems to occupy the uh, the, the the dark gothic night dream logic, right? You don't have to. Uh, to really explain it away, other than the fact that these people that Fool calls buy it hook, line, and sinker. So, this is where you think, oh man, they're buying it. They're buying it. Hook, line, and sinker. The, the you know, mom and dad know how to talk to these, and everyone's white. They always think, oh, it was a prank call. We're pillars of the community. We're rich. We're white. We're pleasant. Here's tea and coffee. You poor officers, if even one child. Yada, yada, yada. Mama has the best line here when they're seeing the police out mm-hmm. and apologizing for the inconvenience yeah. and saying, it's as if we're the prisoners and the criminals roam free. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning that exact thing. That's why the cops have bought this hook, line, and sinker, because they are these fine, upstanding people that happen to live in a really rough neighborhood, and it's a shame what's grown up around their family estate. Oh, if she sees one more Cop. One more cookie. (laughs) But good news. This was only an elaborate trap. Now, mom and dad are going to bed, but she wasn't able to watch the back door all night. And that makes her kind of worried. But don't worry about it. I'm sure it's probably fine. Fool had used this as an opportunity to get into the house. He probably suspected that if he were to call the police on them, they would come to the door, maybe search the house. But, you know, they these people are... Professionals, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, Fool is now back in the house, infiltrating it, and he finds Alice rather quickly and is able to set her free. Now, this is this weird scene in which you were talking about, in which Daddy somewhat seems to have a bit of a sexual stirring as he comes up to check on Alice, and she is now pretending that she is still tied with her hands over her head as much as it was an elaborate ruse on behalf of fool to get back in the house it's an elaborate ruse on behalf of mom and dad because they pretended to go to bed because they had a feeling that he'd come back because like you said they're professionals Mm -hmm. so they're on the hunt while Mm -hmm. he's trying to let alice go in Mm -hmm. the attic so daddy's basically hot on his heels not knowing he's really up there but knowing he's somewhere in the fucking house Mm -hmm. so he's stalking around already suited up in his gimp outfit with a shotgun Mummy is also hot on daddy's heels to tuck her into bed. I think that's what her line is, something like that. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Um, and they know that Alice is up there because they left her up there. They don't see that she's not still tied up to the wall. They hear her say, can someone let me down? Mm-hmm. And that's where daddy's like, look, gives her a sort of a look of like, well, 
I'll, I'll let you down. And grabs his fucking crotch. It doesn't really grabs. It sort of like strokes it. So I don't know if it's like a sort of a down boy kind of thing. If he's getting hard or if it's just like a memory, like a subconscious motion because it's like, oh, the female voice and I'll just touch myself because... This is how this is what I wear often when she's tied up. I don't know. That's what it seems. I don't to know. Me. Walking towards her, rousing it. That would be my move to try to rouse things, get things going. You know, get like craft noodle going. We don't really have to like rouse it. Sometimes I don't, I don't know much about men and their genitalia, but I I, I, I assume that it was like a, a more of a subconscious thing than a conscious like let's get this started well sometimes it is sorry i don't I don't want to be talking about my dick and erections and shit like we that talk about like, other people's dicks and erections that's true i'm just saying it's like sometimes yeah things happen automatically when you're like sufficiently turned on sometimes yeah. you're like turned on but your body's not doing it yet so you just give it a couple of like to like you know and then it like awakens because you're you're you know your dick knows it's business time Hmm. I took it more of just like this is a pavlovian response it could of be his but the, my next choice would be um you what you'd first mentioned that it's like sort of like a down boy like it's already getting yeah he's getting excited just at this prospect as opposed to i'll get myself excited yeah for this prospect so but it's fascinating because it is the only overtly sexual gesture and yet it is extremely subtle yeah, um, and he, I mean, it gets to the point where, where mommy has to basically pull him back, and he seems hesitant. He's like, walks towards her, tells her to let's go, and then kind of like back. looks back, and then looks back again, and then finally goes down the stairs. And this is also where uh, later on in the scene where, where mom and dad are arguing when they know fools in the house and they know Alice is free, um, she, uh, mom sort of laments that he's turned her against me or she's he's trying to and daddy is very adamant that like they did it they did it like they they've like and we know what it is like, yeah we capital i he it. did it 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 <laughs> but um and and so that to me uh is also talking about like this weird like sick problem. i mean they're children for fuck's sake. And I'm not saying that, like, children don't, like, engage in that type of stuff. But, like, all I'm saying is that's kind of a strong leap. And then he goes so far as, like, oh, she's a whore. She's a whore. And and he wants to end her or do something. And, and mom says, no, no, you can't do the, this type of shit. Now, this is, like, the chimney scene. It's, like, the most Home Alone shit ever. Where they're, like, getting dad to, like, again, shoot up the chimney and to look up, and then Fool and uh, Alice, who are now on the roof. Now, there's no way to get down. That creek has been drained and is filled with, again... Broken glass. Like, he drained a pond, filled it with rocks and broken glass. Also, all the walls have been repaired. Like, when did he do this? And this is the same day. Like, yeah, Fool goes home, has the money, talks to his grandpa. They say they're going to go to a fence the next day. Or no, like a reputable... Yeah, yeah a good coin dealer. A good coin dealer. And, or fence. And he walks, marches down the fucking road and calls the cops. Like, this all happens at night. Yeah. Yeah. Dream logic. Yeah, it's it's so surreal. But yet you go with it. Because, you know, the plot's moving. And, and all you really need to know is the method in which they escape the house initially. 
It won't it, work. It can't work. So they need a new way out. And they don't really have a plan for that. But they definitely seem like they can get back at mom and dad at least a little bit. Dropping bricks down. They go down the chimney. They're clawing at mom's face, like sticking fingers up her nose. This is where it's goes into comedy again for is me. Is that nyuk nyuk? Is that what you say while you're yeah. doing that to somebody? And, and yeah, it is nyuk nyuk. And there is a Three Stooges superhuman-like quality to both mom and dad. Fool takes a, a like an iron poker and smashes mom in the knee with it. I'm sorry, you're not gonna ever walk again. Like with <laughs> and not this woman. Not this woman. She, she has a little bit of an owie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fool hits daddy so hard this on the, is the head. Third time he's hit him on the head. He hit him on the head with a ceramic back of a toilet tank. Yeah. That will kill somebody. Yeah. Like, we don't need a horror experiment here whatsoever. I yeah. know that if one of us hit the other, mm-hmm. me hitting Wes, I just don't want to be like that all the time. <laughs> but it would be me hitting Wes. It would uh, be. With a fucking the back of a toilet tank, you would die. I would, I would definitely die. He smashes him with a giant uh, table lamp. He gets hit in the face with a brick. He um, gets hit multiple times with this iron poker. So hard, he gets hit in the back of the head with it. Fool breaks it. Yeah. Breaks it on the back of this guy's head. I. He, These are things that cause death. Yeah. <laughs> All of them. All of and, them. And yet, only temporarily slowing them down. Like, Jason Voorhees gets slowed down more by this type of shit than fucking mom and dad do. Mm-hmm. And, and and so there's definitely like this odd supernatural abilities for, of, of like superhuman damage. It's like with the Three Stooges, you can have a cheese grate across your face and it doesn't really actually hurt you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be fine. It's it's it, You're wily coyote. You get the anvil dropped on your head. You'll be okay. But it's handled in such a way that even the most grim horror fan, such as myself, Mm-hmm. Well, not watch this going like goddamn home alone bullshit <laughs> until the end. <laughs> and yeah. even then, you sort of give it a pass because you've had so much fun, mm-hmm. but still crossed arm dark in the back of the fucking club fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, good time, I guess. That's the kind of only kind of fun I really like to have. Yeah, you know, th- there is also something going on uh, that I really dig about this, and it's very different from when we see groovy ghoulies. In, in films like this, and the, and uh, probably one that we've done on the show that has a very prominent ghoulies in them is the loved ones. We have almost the exact same scenario here. Instead of rejected uh, child boys, you have rejected boyfriends, rejected prom dates, and and uh, you have the same type of mentality. They're they're more animalistic now. And the loved ones, they don't cut their tongues out. That's where they drill the. They put the boiling water onto their brains and basically cook them. They're sufficiently damaged to be somewhat happy with this life in the pit. But this life under the stairs, mm-hmm. there's a sort of mixed match. I didn't notice any blind ones, but I'm sure there are. Maybe the guy with the hood on his head is blind. Yeah. Um, but the tongue cut out, I'm sure there's ones missing ears because they do allude to uh, cutting fool's ears off. And mm-hmm. then that switches to cutting his balls off. Yeah. So I guess he is breached what they assume the cardinal sin when they say that she mm. he must have had sex with Alice, which is a lie. Um, they're just assuming that because they're horrible people projecting on these young children. They're going to cut his balls off. I'm yeah. sure he'd be the only one down there with no balls. But yeah, I didn't see all the damages, but most of them seem to have no tongues. Most of them seem to have no tongues, no ability to speak. It looks like 
it's hard to say how long you would need to be in almost complete darkness for you to have that pallor. It, it sort of backfires on me a little bit because you can definitely tell it's makeup for one, of yeah. course. But I mean, I don't think human skin can do that. I don't think that yeah. darkness alone or cannibalism would do those things to a human body. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. They look pretty cool. They look pretty cool. They, 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 they look just like revenants, ghouls. You know, like they look, they have like that look to them. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it just adds to this weird, like I know we've said it 50 times with dream logic to this yeah. place. And this is the nightmarish pit in which, for the lack of a better term, lost souls just meander around, meander around. And they're not inherently dangerous to fool and Alice, not really. What's the cool part is that they know Fool's name. So mm-hmm. I'd like to think that Roach is more of a go-between than he was even portrayed as. Because mm-hmm. they all know. They all seem to like Fool. And they mm-hmm. all seem to be rooting for him. Mm-hmm. While Daddy's chasing them with his shotgun, yeah. they drag Fool along this boarded-up area that they can mm-hmm. reach their hands through. And then he ducks just as Daddy goes to shoot and shoots the lock off. Yeah. Which, in effect, would let them out. Yeah. Now, this is, like, all hell is, is breaking loose. Like, there's a breakdown between uh, mom and dad. They're arguing with each other. And then when they're both on the same page, like, now even Alice's life is forfeit. And and now the people under the stairs are out. But there's even something else going on. Ruby, full sister, and his grandfather are at these people's door. As um, almost community advocates. With almost a, oh, it's not exactly a mob because they have no pitchforks. Not one that I saw Mm -hmm. or torches, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But it is a community intervention. Mm -hmm. It is. And these people are slumlords. They own 50 buildings. They own businesses. They overcharge people with the rent. And when you can't pay the rent, they evict you. And then when you're evicted and the buildings are empty, they tear them down and then they turn them into office buildings and reap the profits. Now, people who really like, you know, I hesitate to use the the term social justice warrior because it's lost all meaning now. But if you're the type who really wishes that all of those online petitions you click yes on have something to do or petitions you signed in the local Tim Hortons or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is like a living petition. Mm -hmm. This is a living petition of the representatives of all the people that these people have fucked over for Mm -hmm. decades showing up on their doorstep. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. There's a very depth line I liked quite a bit about um, where when mom is at her wits end with these people, she is done. Basically, the second she realizes who's at her door, it's not more police, even though her grandfather even... We've heard shots fired and, like, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the police, and he's kidding, but, yeah, yeah it works for to it, get her to open it the works. door again. She even... She tries to threaten them. She is holding a gun. And when the the crowd, the rest of the community shows up, because she's like, you don't have a community, and all these people come in, she says, what are you going to do, shoot all of us? It is that idea that there are so more... There are so many more poor, disenfranchised outraged people then there are rich and so you can use that line and like you can't possibly shoot all of us there's too many yeah and even especially if you're thinking in like global terms there's billions so um so i really like that line i think it's really depth i, I think that th- this goes a long way of not being hand-fisted i think you can enjoy this film on a multiple 
levels and you don't have to feel like you're getting preached to but Wes Craven definitely was making a film with a with a message but there's still so much like uh, entertaining accoutrement around it I think that if people are like well I don't want to get preached to I was like I'm not going to get preached to I think there's a lot of like cool shit going on uh, on top of the the very uh, cool message of the film in its entirety um, but now m- mom has her own problems but don't worry she'll get that door closed and it's locked and even though the, the the people are witnessing this now, this is going to be, you know that mom and dad's world is crumbling around them. They have seen what's going on in here. Why does she look so haggard? What's, what are they doing to that little girl in there? They see the girl for the first time. There's witnesses to see that Alice does exist within this house. There are people trying to break in and, and do something. And um, this is where it's almost like the house itself, the, the darkness within the house itself, which is the people under the stairs, break through the walls themselves and are now coming after mom while dad is still trying to figure out where fool is and that's where the people in the stairs have also led fool to this treasure trove of all this wealth that they've accumulated it looks like over generations like scrooge mcduck's money vault yeah it's piles and piles and piles of gold and money and bills and bonds and stocks and jewels and old sticks of dynamite Oh, of course, because that's the best place to store your dynamite. This whole house is a bomb. Yeah. Apparently, he's got them all over the place. He's got them all over the place. I don't... Like, it's interesting. Um, Grandpa relates a story about these people being brother and sister uh, when Fool first finds the money. And he talks about, when I was a kid, we never went past that house. There's always been this air of these this family. Now, the only two people left of it really are this brother and sister. Alice isn't their daughter. She's another person that has been stolen, like all these people under the stairs have been stolen. Um, but They just get richer and crazier. They just get the richer. Crazier they get, the richer they get. The richer they get, the crazier they get. Yeah, and, I love that idea of and, this, uh, how, this gestation of insanity. Mm-hmm. And it really goes to show you that this has probably been happening over generations. Your grandfather's an old man yeah. at this point, and when he was a child, there was still rumors and hushed uh, comments and people were afraid of that house. Well, it had to have been mom and dad's parents. This is about where things go pretty sideways for mom. You don't know exactly, if this was a more violent movie, I would like to think that they would literally tear her limb from limb. Completely. Um, But her response to, like, she wants to kill Alice. She's not going to let daddy do it. I guess he'll get too much enjoyment out of that, right? Um, We're guessing. So she has going at her with a knife she's gonna oh, kill yeah. her and i thought that this was her reaction to prince having died i'd confuse her fucking crazy lady reactions so she is after alice in all of the fucking wicked witch of the west she's just way. screeching it's insane it's absolutely insane she if you think she ever hits peak insanity in twin peaks <laughs> as nadine whoa just yeah. hold on to your socks because she's gonna stab him right off you i guess i don't know she looks like hell too her lipstick's all fucking sideways her hair is unkempt it's great she yeah. has soot on her face and mm-hmm. like she's beat the fuck up so her chasing alice around with this giant butcher mm-hmm. knife is just beautiful it's really beautiful especially like the weird uh, dynamic like alice has this really haunted look to her she's in this white dress it was pristine now of course it's all fucked up and shit and sorry, the daddy long legs like distracted me. Is he ever big guy? Eh? And he's a big, he's a big guy. Anyway, um, they so so you you really almost have like this fairy tale 
little girl versus this, like you said, like wicked witch type character. Now the people under the stairs are basically surrounded them. And this is like, you get to really kind of get a good look at all of them. They're all so interesting. It's the uh, first time they've really been out from the dark. And they have not just come up from the stairs, they come up through the fucking stairs. Through the stairs. Now, so. this is another part where this logic of this house breaks down because it does seem like a very solid, wonderful oak and maple and brass veneered Victorian house that can just be busted through like balsa wood. Oh, yeah. they. It, it almost seems as though the the these people under the stairs have either superhuman strength uh it's kind of difficult to imagine they're kept so in such a small space they're barely fed they're kept hungry quote unquote it's a testament to a mostly meat diet wes <laughs> low sugar low carbs high fat high protein quality protein too this is not that pink glue that people are so afraid of nowadays <laughs> okay sure fine now they and and they're coming out of the cupboards. They're coming out of everywhere. They are. I think it's funny that they're coming out of the cupboards because that's just that's the extra comedic element of this. Yeah. Yeah. They're all just like lying in wait to spring out simultaneously, and they just surround her. And mom knows that her fucking it, she's 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 done. She's terrified of these people under the stairs. By the way, she's scared of them in a way that we don't really see her ever really afraid of anything. She's not afraid of cops or, or burglars. She is always on the attack when people are using either Prince or, or Daddy as their attack dogs. But she is there barking orders. And, and this is where she definitely feels completely out of control. And they just sort of surround her. And then she looks to Alice after she, uh, Alice, when she runs to her, Alice will impale her with the butcher knife in the stomach. But she's not down for the couches yet. She managed to hobble off into a corner. But she sees that she's fucked. And so my favorite move, she pulls that knife out. And if she, listen, it's it's this attitude of, if I'm going down, I'm at least killing Alice before <laughs> I die. But uh, she doesn't get that far, unfortunately. The No, the people under the stairs definitely come to Alice's protection in a certain manner. And yeah, drag mummy down to the floor. And like you said, if it was a more gory film, we would have seen her having every rib in her body snapped oh yeah it would be like uh, a dead alive or something like that just like fucking body parts getting peeled apart but she gets basically tossed down the stairs um that in the basement where daddy is and she's just dead and this is so where who's the people under the stairs now huh yeah exactly yeah um and this is where daddy goes on this final hunt for fool and you were telling me this is where like like logic kind of like breaks down for you it's kind of fucking ridiculous. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I like Fool's standoff. I like this is Fool's first curse word. Yeah. I mean, this is Fool becoming a man in many ways. Because he says the F word. Mm -hmm. And he says S. Mm -hmm. And he says the A. He calls him an A-hole, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Super manly. Um, no, so it's a really cool scene with Fool because he has... He had to, like, disarm the security system the alarm system that is on all of this gold and money so he's got like live wires in his hands from that so he's wired them up to the bombs like the sticks of dynamite which is such old sticks of dynamite quite honestly you probably just need to drop them from a two feet height onto the floor because it's a stone floor and they would probably fucking ignite because the glycerin is that broken down in them that they probably would just ignite if you look at them wrong but oh, he's yeah. got them wired for sound like he knows what he's fucking doing but 
not only does Fool probably not want to know what he's fucking doing, uh, to trick Daddy back there to where he will get blown sky high. And this is not exactly how dynamite works anyway, but whatever. Because it's not... You have to have dynamite in something. It has to have things around it to blow out. Uh, what this does isn't what dynamite does. But anyway, to trick him back there, he's taken a bunch of gold coins and stuck them into candles and lit the candles so the candles will burn down and the coins will let go one by one going clink, clink, clink. So it's like somebody's counting money mm-hmm. back there. It's a great distraction. Very fucking Looney Tunes. Extremely Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't work because even when we're looking at it, we can see the candle isn't burning fast enough to, yeah, for the money no, to be going clink, clink, There's clink. no logical way that that would actually work. The The message is clear. He is using... he uh, Daddy cannot perceive of not being as obsessed with greed and wealth as he is. And so the idea of Fool being so enamored with these gold coins that he would stop everything that he was doing to count them. Oh, I know. That makes sense to Daddy. Yeah, he's like, I do it. I've done it many times. And I have the gold coins roll through your fingers and and shit like that. Um, It... It's cockamamie, for sure. It doesn't really make any fucking sense. And no, the candle technique would not work in any meaningful way. Sure, it looks kind of cool to have a bunch of gold coins stuck into candles. And I'll tell you, if I had a bunch of gold coins, that's what I would do with them. (laughs) Really. But it is the choice that uh, they decided to make for this film. And it it doesn't ruin anything. No, the sex next scene. The sex scene. No, the next scene is what fucking ruins it for me. Because they blow it sky high and daddy gets, I guess, killed. It's hard to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Because he just sort of gets blown back with like a whoa kind of cartoon look to it all. Um, Fool doesn't even get smoke inhalation somehow in this basement that has just been blown up, quote unquote, with dynamite. And all the money, Wes, Mm -hmm. gets blown out the chimney like a fucking cartoon. And I get it because that's the ending. It's like, how do you get from point A to point B? How do you get from Fool and Daddy in the basement with this pile of money to the money in the hands of the mob outside. Mm-hmm. Well, you blow it up with dynamite and it goes shooting through the yeah. Forget the fact that the, the a, a blast like that would just incinerate every fucking uh, dollar bill that's down there. It would, and the house would, if it actually worked like this, would fall down and collapse on top of all that money. So yeah. no one would ever know it was there. Um, True. But no, instead we have this logic where some sort of crazy backdraft is created that sucks in a wonderful vortex all of this money up into the sky and i'll bet you it's all hundred dollar bills <laughs> and it's a party of People course are, the the wealth of the evil rich has been redistributed back to the community a little singed uh we're assuming da- mommy is definitely dead daddy is likely dead um all we're missing is a dancing ewok yeah, well, guess what? We have the Groovy Ghoulies now. <laughs> Who just have crawled their way out of the house from the basement. Yeah. They are unscathed, of course. Um, they just go and mingle with the townsfolk. I, the, I I guess I understand when it's raining money, you might not notice these hideous fucking freaks like wandering around you. Hideous cannibalistic freaks. They are a menace to society. I will not let you forget. Yeah, I, I just envisioned like there that you could do some like horror version of the Cosby Kids where they're just like all hanging out on a stoop. They had like one had like a weird mask, like Mushmouth. Like I definitely thought that that you could go, you could go in that direction with them. Who would be Fat Albert? Well, one of them would have to eat more humans <laughs> than the others, I suppose. I guess a lot more. A lot more. A yeah. lot more. 
So yeah, that was the people under the stairs. Yeah. It ends with a party and everyone rich and everyone happy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like a good upbeat ending. I'd have rather it ended with a phone call, just cause. But we're not talking <laughs> alternate endings. That was a you and Thomas conversation talking yeah. about alternate endings on on the Twitter that about. Was. I, I I was too busy. I was going to uh, chime in with. I hear that Leatherface has an alternate ending that mm-hmm. is uh, different, and that the one that they've released is better. Actually, when it's usually the opposite, it's usually the crummy ending that everyone sees, and the elite few, if you want to be an asshole about it, or the people who saw it in theater, or people who saw a UK release or whatever, got to the good ending. Yeah. It's usually it's usually pretty different. No, but I like I like I was telling Thomas and the question was like what sort of alternate endings either exist on disc or or whatever in extra features do you think is better? Um and and honestly the, I have had that thought so many times uh that I it's really hard to pin down any one or two films. But I listed a bunch on Twitter if you guys want to go you know, check that out and stuff like that. I'd like an alternate ending to this where Alice and fool end up in the basement and see all this money and they trick daddy somehow into being incapacitated maybe throw him in that pit where the other bodies are and that goo pit or whatever and they go outside and they're like hey grandpa and everybody in the entire town here's all the money and everyone has all the money you don't need to have a dumbass explosion or anything like that Mm -hmm. and at the very end from a ditch across the road you see daddy claws way out in his gimp outfit with his gun and look back and just give it all up for this free roman lifestyle as a sexy leather man and he just goes off into the sunset much like leather face you know just sort of you know or like tiny just off tiny walked into the burning firefly house though he he died i envisioned him going off west into the freedom and the wilderness and off (laughs) i just keep putting my hands like out you know just to safety safety and freedom and he can be his own daddy he can be his own cannibalistic uh daddy Mm -hmm. pious and greedy i like this i like this that's a great movie (laughs) what do we got next for him fuck defino okay what do we got next for them Wes? the Evil Dead. And then the Evil Dead remake. Yes. Now, see, that jogged my memory, because I don't know, I was on vacation. You were on vacation, but no, we are finally going to hit, uh, it's been a requested film for a long time, uh, and I thought it would, uh, for my birthday pick, I'm allowed to pick whatever movie I want, any movie that I wanted, so I thought it would be fun to finally do the Evil Dead. We're going to be doing the first one, and uh, you can all listen to us geek out about that or me anyway because I, i'm a very uh, geeky evil dead fan this was covered uh not that long ago on uh thomas's show as well there's a plethora of other shows that cover the evil dead and this is why we don't usually get the biggies or we do commentary track for the biggies but for wes's birthday uh, i think it's a perfect pick we're going to cover the remake shortly thereafter mm-hmm. and that's a rare thing we don't really do that sort of like pit one against the other which we're not really going to be doing no no it's, it's just an, it's, it's it's an opportunity to talk about two very cool movies yeah i'm very excited this is my excited face oh my god it's like a death mask yep. <laughs> i'm west knight and i'm typical lydia and you've been listening to dead air <laughs>